Hello there, welcome to the Law Blacks one-to-one podcast. My name's Chris Allen, I'm the managing partner of Black Solicitors. I've worked in West Yorkshire for over 25 years, and during that time, it's fair to say I've met some pretty interesting people. And over the next few weeks, I'll be catching up with some of those people to share with you some of their opinions, advice and stories. Overall, I hope you find the interviews interesting, engaging and educational. As ever at this point in the podcast, I need to say a big thank you to our old colleague, not that old, Pete Bott, uh, and his band Deuce and Charger, who very kindly allows to use their music on our podcast. So thanks to Pete. He has his own podcast out now, obviously following the trend. So if you look up Deuce and Charger, you'll uh, listen to uh, something a bit different to what you listen to here. My guest today will be very familiar to sports fans within Yorkshire, as in his capacity as sports editor at the BBC Radio Leeds, he fronted the West Yorkshire Sports Daily programme. He's now the managing editor of Sporting Life, a sports content website here in Leeds, and he's actually also the bloke who recommended which kit I use to do this podcast. So for that, I'm eternally grateful. Uh, you may be grateful, or you may want to castigate him. That's entirely up to you. So, uh, Gareth Jones, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. I just hope the gear works now. Yeah, well, otherwise absolutely. my whole credibility is gone. But I don't think I had any to start with, so uh, we're okay yeah. there. You so, okay? Yeah, I'm great, mate. And thank you for coming in. I appreciate it. on a very, it's very beautiful, hot isn't it? afternoon absolutely in beautiful. Leeds. Here we are in an office. So talk to me about uh, your journey to Leeds, because when I hear your accent, I don't think to myself, there's a fellow Bradfordian. No, definitely not that at all. Leicester lad, Leicester, is how you say it properly, um, for many, many years, well up till 18, they moved up here to university, so many did, um, when the city was really starting to develop, and it's just been amazing over the last... Mm, so many years, yep. 18, 19 years of just how much it's really come on. So I came up to here to University Leeds Trinity in Horsforth, which at the time was the University of Leeds. So my right. degree is technically from the University of Leeds. Yes, very good. Um, although my girlfriend and uh, my wife, um, who's actually from the University of Leeds, reminds me that it is actually Leeds Trinity. Um, so I came up to university and um, studied uh, journalism and also sport. Um, and I suppose afterwards, I never really thought about going back. I, always, I just yeah. fell in love with Leeds, with West Yorkshire, Yorkshire as a whole. I was very lucky. A lot of my friends decided to stay up here as well to look for work mm. and eventually got into work up here and touch wood. The rest has been history and been going okay. So anybody who's listened to that intro knows what you're doing now. We'll come on to that in a moment. But there was a big spell of your life, certainly where our paths crossed, where you were down at BBC Radio Leeds. Mm. How do you get from being a third-year student at Leeds Trinity to working at the BBC? What was that leap, or how did that come about? You won't expect the answer to this via the NHS, right. which sounds incredibly bizarre. I think, and having been a university lecturer as well, this is one of the things I, I've, I've spoken to my students about when I was lecturing, saying, I think universities are very good at saying, you do your degree, and then you get your degree, and on the next day you walk into your dream job, on 50k a year and you're set for life and the reality is very very different um so i couldn't get a job when i first started in the industry i wanted to work in and i played for Rugby club yarnbury in horsworth fantastic club and you'll know from playing with sports clubs they're great for being a family and looking after each other yeah. whether you need a, a window fixed an extension to your house or potentially a job and uh, a guy there steve miller got me a job in basically an nhs call center they just merged all the trusts together the accounts payable and they're up near um the white rose center so i went up there and worked in this call center for six months which was both brilliant and horrendous cause it was a complete mess cause it was this new system mm. and it just didn't work so basically i was just taking loads of complaints of people not being paid um good communication skills there eh? it Training. was yeah yeah it was well to be fair yeah it was just at a time when oh was it pop stars it was the will young gareth gates battle the the and uh, pop gareth, idol would that pop, be pop idol, idol? That was it. and gareth gates had just become famous yeah and of course everyone then at the end would go who am i speaking to for my records and i go oh my name's gareth oh you're not gareth gates are you no no, I'm not. And now your complaints are going to the bottom of the queue. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so there for six months. And I realized at the time that I was just not having the energy or the time to properly apply for potential jobs that I wanted to do. So after six months, I decided to leave. I suppose it was one of those big decisions where um, they said, we want to stay, stay full time at the time offered decent money for mm. a 21-year-old just out of university. I was close to going, well, yeah, I'll do that and I'll get my other job in a year. 
fully knowing I would probably end up working there for life. Yeah. So I'm, I, I did leave after six months and, and went on job seekers allowance and just wrote off to absolutely everywhere in the whole of the north, to, to BBC stations, commercial stations, looked for every single kind of job, heard nothing back from most. And you didn't physically go down to Leeds and knock on the door and say, no. guys, get, no. what I, stopped I, you? when you I, look back I, I now, what stopped you from doing that? Um, confidence probably right. and not kind of realising I'm not brilliant at networking particularly back then I just thought they'd shut the door and right. laugh in your face yeah. um, probably would have been the best way to do it right. um, and getting to know some contacts so I kind of wrote that off a little bit and eventually I saw a job for a little golf magazine in York as an assistant editor there and I got that right. um, which was the first journalistic job great little team there it was brilliant learned a lot from Scott the editor and then actually, a few months after getting that job, ironically, Derm Tanner, the then sports editor at Radio yeah. Leeds, the Bradford City commentator, rang me, this amazing broadcast voice he's got. Yeah. And he said, I've had your note on, C- you know, on file for a while. Um, one of our guys is leaving. We need someone behind the scenes that pushes the buttons, makes the tea, you know, bottom run of the ladder stuff. Mm. Are you interested? So I went in for a quick chat and I was properly suited and booted and then everyone else turned up really casual. So I was already overdressed and Dern's final words that day were, yeah, when you come on Sunday, um, you can dress casually. Okay, I like a, I like a tie, a shirt and tie. So Yeah, well, I always dressed, as you know, I kind of do always dress smartly when I, when I worked in the job, mainly because I felt that kind of gave you a bit more of a, when you, particularly when you're younger and you're interviewing older people, it gave yeah. felt I had a more authority. First shift, remember people know, listen, it's John Boyd. Remember John yeah. Boyd? Voice of, of Radio Leeds for so long, both sport and mid-morning. Incredible character. Scary, scary individual. Mm. And uh, Derm told me, warned me, basically, the guy you work with does not suffer fools. He will eat you for breakfast. Do not do anything stupid on your first day. So the first day I was in there, rugby league shift. He was Mr. Rugby League. And uh, I walked in trembling with a sheet of paper to give to him. He went, oh, you're the new lad, are you? Yeah, um, he goes. Do you like rugby league? And in a very camp voice as well, I come. Oh no, not really. I'm more of a rugby union man. And you know, you're floating above yourself, and you think, oh my god. And he just stared at me, and I just kind of backed out, thinking, I'm done for here. Yeah, but I survived lovely. that, and then went on. Yeah, rest and on and on. And and is that still an industry where you can rise up through the ranks? I mean, obviously, if you went in as the yeah, assistant, yeah. but ultimately you got to sports editor there, and that took what six years. Yeah, um, yeah, so uh, 2004 was when I started getting in and I was still working my other job. This was okay. just freelance. So I'd work nine to five in York, yeah. Tuesday, Wednesdays, Fridays. I would finish at five, drive the hour to Leeds City Centre, park up, do the show six till ten at night right. um, and then do the occasional weekends as well. And um, just the real basic stuff like at the bottom, pushing the buttons, editing the clips, all behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. Um and then eventually I started up being offered a few more journalistic shifts, news reporting, sport, and I had to make a decision on my other job whether to leave it or not. And radio is what I always wanted to do. So I did, we just, with just my old girlfriend, just bought a house. Mm. About four months into it, committed to our first mortgage, and I decided to go fully freelance. And I remember my old boss thinking, you were mad. But it was my dream, and I wanted to do it, and it felt the right decision. And luckily it paid off. And it was just freelance, so news, a um, bit of presenting, sport, and literally... Yeah, built my way up to do every single job. And I think one of the reasons um, I did okay as a sports editor and then as assistant editor of the station was because I had done every job and I did know what yeah. news wanted. If you were a BA, if you were a journalist of 30 years, it did really help when you became a manager to understand people. This podcast is, needless to say, sponsored by Black Solicitors. Flax is a law firm based in Leeds, and we provide a range of commercial, property and private client services to clients throughout the United Kingdom. Obviously, I'd love you to enjoy this podcast and then use our services on any legal issues you have going forward. If you visit lawblacks.com, you'll see the kind words that existing clients have had to say about the services we provide. Now, back to the podcast. And just on the presenting point then, so you go from being the chap behind the scenes pushing the buttons, mm. but ultimately then you develop mm. into presenting. Yeah. Um, and how, how did you conquer your nerves at that, or did you have any nerves? Um, I don't think I've conquered them yet. Right. Yeah. You still get I, that? I hate presenting, never wanted to present. Really? I, I, I don't think I'm any good at presenting whatsoever. <laughs> it's just, if I don't do that, then I can't justify being in a job. No. I always wanted to commentate. My, my dad was a head teacher, 
but he also was the Leicester Tigers commentator, um, huge rugby team in Leicester, um, for BBC Radio. Leicester, he used to play for them when he retired, he, he summarised and commentated. So I kind of grew up sitting in the press box, and that's where I fell in love with radio. So I just wanted to commentate, that's all I wanted to do. It's the thing I've done the least in my life, which yeah, is kind of a regret. Yeah. But um, I fell into presenting, and that's what I've mainly always done, and then... I enjoy producing and, and managing and kind of went into that sports editor thing. But presenting, I would never class myself as a good presenter ever. I just do it because no one else will. No. So when you when I say presenting, I'm thinking of you doing the, the, the six o'clock show yeah. on, on Radio mm. Leeds as you mm. did. So then, uh, obviously, Radio Leeds cover the Leeds games a lot and some of the yeah. other local clubs. So you didn't do much of the actual commentating on those games, did you? No, no not really. Catherine so I'd be presenting lot, at the grounds. She? Yeah, so me and Catherine were the main presenters. Was Catherine came to the sports team when I brought him in as sports editor. So um, you'd have Adam Pope as the Leeds United commentator, Paul Ogden as Huddersfield. Yeah. We had Dave Fletcher and then Tim Steers Bradford, which is still the yeah. same people now. Um, say at Radio Sheffield or other places, they rotate their commentators around. I've always liked the idea and how it's always been at Radio Leeds, the branded commentators. Mm. When you hear Leeds United, it is Adam Pope, Noel Whelan now, yeah. Paul Ogden at Huddersfield. And people relate to that. They become part of that family. And, and um, that's how we always kept it. And I didn't want to be one of these sports editors that came in and said, I'm the big I am. I'm right. going to be the Leeds commentator. Right. And actually it was a conversation I had with my previous boss. When Derm left, he was the Bradford commentator. Mm. So it was brilliant. You know, I could go in and commentate and my dream, I was a sports editor, which was my dream job, and I'd get to commentate week in, week out on the team. Seemed the perfect scenario. But with the greatest respect to Derm, the greatest job as he had done, I noticed how hard it was on him to understand what was going on for the rest of the teams and actually how it was to manage other people because you yeah. follow a team, it consumes your life. You can't yeah, do anything sure. else to do it properly. You've got to be Bradford, Bradford, Bradford. Particularly in this day and age where there's information coming yeah. at you and all you day, every yeah. day, isn't and it? And you're in Plymouth one day, you know, on a Tuesday night, and then you're off on the Wednesday, then you're down at Swindon on the Saturday. You're not in the yeah. office a lot. No. So I made the thing that I wanted to, as a presenter, I could go to all the grounds, be up with all the teams, have a relationship with all the media managers, CEOs, whatever it wanted to be, and I could feel like I had everything covered. Yeah. Uh, and that really, it certainly worked for me, but it was making that sacrifice of not, commentating yeah. but I look at the bigger picture and it certainly worked out for, for the team when I've been down to Radio Leeds it's always struck me it's a really it's so different to really a, a normal office life because everything's so fluid everything's changing mm. all the time I always look at the wall and see there's always a couple of rucksacks isn't there ready for somebody to yes, rush out yeah, to the yeah. next big story etc did you ever do you feel you're completely in control of everything or do you just have to get up to that pace? And uh, No, you don't. You're, like, you're going on a day and say, right, I've got a clear day here. I'm going to do all my admin, all my paperwork, and get all the freelancers paid, get all your schedules done or whatever it may be, and then someone will get sacked. Yeah. And York, West Yorkshire is such a huge patch with so many sports and big clubs. So whenever you plan to do one thing, you never did it. And it's all a bit seat of your pants. Yeah. But that's one of the reasons you love it every single day is different you're meeting new people doing new things it's unpredictable and you get that buzz of you become very efficient at doing things you still get it all done and you work so many other hours I mean I didn't have a lunch break I still don't but I haven't had a lunch break in years I know I'm not yeah. the only person in the industry to do that but you didn't care you yeah. were loving the job so much you were just loving it and and, and, and what's, a, what's a normal things. what's a normal shift then for somebody working in the you know if there's a young person listening to this thinking I in, fancy it, a bit of that in radio it's everything so at radio leads you'd be maybe on the breakfast shift so you're doing the breakfast bulletins on the breakfast show which is the biggest show on any radio station biggest audience of the day so you're in at five five one if you're presenting the six or seven sports show it's an eleven seven right um, if you're doing a night then it's technically well, it's probably two eleven. It's a long day, you know. If you're mm. if you're presenting a, a night match, and if you're just on a production shift, it might be um, nine five. It just yeah. depends. And again, I love the variety of that. Yeah. Didn't have to hit rush hour many times in my life, which no. is always a bonus. Always a plus. So, but it either works or it doesn't. You kind of found in the industry that people came in, and they thought they're just going to be commentating at Wembley and being best mates with Messi. Yeah, and I realised actually <laughs> you're, you're in minus ten conditions at Keithley yeah. with five people well, there. Welcome to West Yorkshire. Yeah. yeah, but but you either loved it or not, and those people yeah. quickly disappeared and they're selling sofas or something now. The people that really loved it, and it's not all glamorous, just just loved it and carried on in the industry. But it's not all glam, but it's it's brilliant. Yeah, and nothing stands still, does it? So yeah. you so you had got to many people would say that's the pinnacle, isn't it? 
but then clearly there's been an opportunity there to go to Sporting Life. Just tell mm. us a little bit about what you're doing at the moment. Yeah, so to managing editor there from Sports Editor, so kind of in charge of the whole kind of editorial running of Sporting Life. People remember it as the newspaper, maybe, kind of a bit like the Racing Post is mm. now. So over 150 years it's been running. It's been online only since about 2000. And made famous by being the Queen, the Queen Mother's favourite uh, oh, favorite read. Yeah, favourite right. read. Um, online only, so I had the opportunity to go there a year ago. Um, and it's a fantastic new team kind of developing there. Great people again. And it's just with the third biggest website in, in the country behind Sky and BBC. But it hasn't had a lot of love over the last couple of years for one reason no. or another. So it's kind of... A lot of people going didn't even know that existed anymore. No. And um, it's getting that brand awareness out again. And what um, and what's different about that role to the BBC? Are you doing more or less vlogs, blogs? Yeah. So in terms of, podcasts. I mean, one, one of the things for the sport for, for, for my boss, kind of the task was it needed to be more based on social. It's maybe a bit of an older website, so it's more about doing videos, um, podcasts, more social, uh, maybe shorter articles, and being a bit more modern. You know, how quickly things have gone on the websites are no longer yeah. modern. Yeah. Um, so it's doing that. So it's a bit of a challenge to kind of get that right. And um, but it's a really good challenge. And we're, we're doing really well with it. And we've seen the, the growth over the last year already, still with some limited budgets. So if we can get um, bigger budgets to kind of improve the website, which is quite old now, yeah. then and get some more advertising and marketing to tell people we're about more. Because as you know, this, these days people shout loudly. Yeah. And if you're not shouting right. loudly, then people don't know. Um, so it's doing all that really. And for me, it was a step up. I didn't feel I was developing any more radio leads I'd kind of taking the team as far as I could how I wanted to take it further I couldn't do no. due to because the BBC of, presumably has certain parameters that is allowed and isn't allowed certain parameters I think it's also budget's obviously a big thing yeah. I think it's vision as well yeah. from 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 certain people above you yeah. um, and for me I just felt I was stagnating I just thought hang on another five years I could keep doing this job and loving it but is there going to be any need for a local sports editor in five years? How obsolete am I going to be? Having led the field in what we did, particularly through social, yeah. I could see a lot of people taking us over. Because yeah. you needed dedicated people. You need proper graphics designers these days yeah. and all these things. And it just happened I was talking to um, um, uh, a friend of mine um, about this and saying, what would you want to do? I said, I want to do these, these three things and I can't do them, all these five things. He said, oh. That's exactly what we're doing in my new job at Sporting Life. They're looking for managing editor. Why don't you give them a shout? So I just felt whatever happened with this, as much as I was devastated to leave Mm. the BBC and Radio Leeds, it was like a family. I just felt whatever happens to this job, I will develop and learn new things. And in the last year, I've learned so much because it's a totally different world online. I I was part of the initial setup of the BBC Sport website when it started to become the monster it is now. I remember Sporting Life at the time being the example used in a big meeting saying we need to be like them. Yeah, and just at the same time, they've had underinvestment when the BBC has gone big and they've kind of changed roles. Yeah. So, but it's just it's just a totally different world of analysing things and being in the corporate world and commercial world now, hitting targets and looking at figures and and things like that. Like oh, we had a few league tables, we topped the charts at radio in the sports team for um, our social interaction in the whole of the UK. Mm. It didn't mean anything. No one really cared about it. No. Their figures have gone massively down socially now, but they they don't get in trouble for it no. that, that's not the, yeah, the sure. way the BBC works which, which is positive on many aspects because it still allows creative content yeah. but sometimes it is good to be focused and feel a bit under pressure in that direction yeah, to sure. actually deliver I remember you and I have an interesting conversation because um, at a time when we were using Periscope when it first came out mm. a live broadcasting app uh, you were doing the same for a spell weren't yeah. you on, on the radio show and we had that sort of sort of wry uh, smiles as we had the conversation about why why is the radio person using a, a you know effectively live broadcasting yeah. uh, visual yeah. live broadcasting mm. but that's the way the world w- was moving yeah and and I'm of a view personally that the more video content you put on social media the better the the views mm. the the likes would you agree with that or? yeah I think you've got to a lot of it is say about brand awareness now and we have these conversations of sporting life how much is brand awareness and how many how much is getting people back to site to ultimately boost our pages to get our advertising higher and make money. But you've got to, people got to know about you first of all yeah. and then choose whether they like your social content to then yeah. choose to come to your website or not. Um, but it's ever moving, isn't it? And where do you really target? And, and we were the same, you know, we were talking earlier, weren't we saying 
we started on Periscope, then Facebook Live came in, and we went to Facebook Live quite quickly because you mm. instantly got bigger numbers because it was yeah. a bigger thing, and everyone had Facebook, not everyone had Twitter or, or Periscope. But then that hasn't maybe taken off as much as people thought. Because, no. Um, and, 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 but you need to be doing it, don't you? Because even if only yeah. five, you don't want to be doing things for the sake of it, but if only five people see it, that's five more people that have interacted with black solicitors Absolutely. or radio leads or sporting life com than if you hadn't done it. Yeah. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Tell me uh, then from your side of the, the, the table, how somebody was talking to me about, I think Dishu sat here with us now, talking to her about the pace of life as a solicitor has gone. You know, I used to write to you, you'd get receive the document tomorrow, mm-hmm. you'd write back to me, the, you know, I'd get something back in two days. Now, of course, we can email each other in 10 minutes. Yeah. yeah. The legal industry has to be careful about yeah. attention to detail. I haven't detail. seen solicitors get any quicker. No, no. <laughs> well, I'm sure black solicitors are, right very, are very yeah, different. Yeah, yeah. That's why bigger. you should choose black solicitors. <laughs> <laughs> Don't kick me out. So, but but in terms of your world, mm. yeah, absolutely. I'd imagine um, whichever role you're doing, you're inundated with information and data now, aren't you? Mm. As you say, just any one football club, you can be bombarded with stories. How did you and Pope and the rest of the gang, and even how do you deal with it now, how do you sieve out real news and fake news? It's difficult, particularly when... And it's difficult because more, say, the BBC or any of us use social and, and Facebook and other platforms that aren't your own. You're doing it to keep up and stay relevant, but equally you might be shooting yourself in the foot and killing yourself off because ultimately if you're applying content for Facebook, why do people need to go to your website listen to your radio station? Mm. So it's it's difficult, and I think one of the reasons Twitter's so big is the BBC went huge on it quickly because it missed the boat on Facebook. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons it is huge, uh, or bigger than it pro- probably could have been because the BBC really panicked on that. I think... When we started going big with our old boss, Rosine, at um, at, uh, at Radio Leeds, who was great at, at really embracing the technology and seeing mm. social, was this going to be this big thing? But you'd get, you'll know what it's like. Everything, everything's, everyone seems to be on Twitter and it seems to be this tidal wave of people and you realise actually it's, it's quite small the user base mm. and 10 people complain about something, it feels like everyone. It's 10 people in, if you've got 30,000 Leeds fans, but yeah. it seems like everyone. But I remember she used to come up to me and say, you know, Leeds United are, are going to sign Lionel Messi. Why aren't we finding out? Why isn't it our news bulletins? And you're like, that's an extreme example. But yeah, you know, yeah, you're like, sure. well, obviously Leeds are not going to sign Lionel Messi. That's someone on social media just, yeah. just, just pranking. But then you felt you had to follow these things up to justify it, or even to, to deny say, it, yeah, or to yeah. deny it. Um, how you do it ultimately is you, if you're a good journalist, you've got your contacts in the club. You yeah. know what a good story is or not. You you check. You have good relationships as much as you can do with PR people. Um, and you have your sources, and you know from them you can check things and not, and, and it's the way you go about it, and you can sniff those things out. Sometimes you're right, sometimes you are wrong. It's the nature of the business. Um, but it is difficult, and you find now a lot of people, you know, Adam would put something out saying, this deal definitely isn't happening. Joe Bloggs messaged back and says, oh, I've heard he's, he's definitely signing for Leeds. Yeah. Well, how do you know that? My mate down the pub told me. Yeah, I've seen so, him at a service station. I've se- yeah, well, why is your mate? Yeah, your mate says you've seen him at a service station. Do you not think the 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 commentator of Leeds United has better contacts than you. And for yeah. days, these people would be arguing, oh, this Adam Pope doesn't know what he's talking about, when it turns out they're not signing Messi. And then yeah. it's like, oh, yeah, he doesn't know what he's talking and about. And how how hard is it to develop? I mean, you're a very likable guy, Gareth. I like oh, you. Yeah. But how, how hard is it for you to develop relationships with clubs? I mean, there's a lot of clubs, isn't there? I mean, let alone the football clubs. <sighs> yeah, it, you talk it, about every rugby mm, club, every rugby league club, every yeah, rugby union uh, club, hockey club, whatever. I mean, how do you? It's, it's, how hard is it to have a reliable source? It's very difficult. I mean, yeah, source in terms of sources, because obviously clubs don't want you to have sources. That is about just meeting people. You know, you get to grounds a couple of hours beforehand, and it's chatting to the security guards or the, just being a nice person, really, just chatting to people, and then you'll eventually build up your reputation. Yeah. People love to talk and tell you things yeah. on or off the record. <laughs> and you just build that relationship on hopefully just being a nice person and being trusted as well. Yeah. You know, you never want to stitch people up. If people tell you something, they'll either say that's off the record and you know it, you've got to find, before yeah. you broadcast it, you've got to do it from another another, another, another source. Yeah, another you source. To go, and so you don't want to trip people up. And that's one of the difficulties you have now because people don't stick to those rules. So, um, you know, you, you, Chris, could just put out there that Bielsa's going to leave Leeds United mm. just as pure clickbait. But Sporting Life couldn't do that. Or the BBC Radio Leeds couldn't do that no. because then it's our reputation sure. kind of, kind of, you know, um, um, dismantled and, a little and as bit. So it's editor difficult. at both organisations, do you sometimes have to put, place a restraining hand on somebody's shoulder and say, "We're not going yeah, with that"? Yeah, okay, okay, occasionally, that yet. not too often. Yeah, sometimes, yeah. and sometimes you've got to play it politically. 
So, you know, you'll go to a club and say, look, we know this. And then they'll say, well, you know, can you give us 24 hours? Yeah. And you say, well, hang on, someone else could break them in 24 hours. But equally in this day and age, I'm I'm not too bothered about exclusive breaking news. Mm. Everyone claims they've got it. No one can control it. It's the content I think you've got to offer after it. So you then say, okay, but... How about I can have an interview? So we had an example where... We knew a few days before that Leeds United, under the new owner, Rad Rosani, was by McElland Road. So we had that story. We knew it, and we phoned up the, the, the club, and they were a bit surprised we had it. And they kind of said, look, can you hold it? And we're like, well, no, why, why, why should we hold it? It's news, it's out there, we can be the first for this. And they said, well, look, can you hold it? Because there's a few things not done, and you never know if they're lying or if they're telling the truth, whatever. And we said, okay, we will hold it and risk it being broken by someone else. In the end, I think we probably announced it more or less at the same time as other people the following day or something mm. like that. So we didn't get the exclusive, as it were, maybe the day before. And now some hardened journalists would say, well, that was wrong. But what we did do on the night, on the day the news was broken, it broke at four o'clock. At six o'clock, we did our show live from Elland Road and we had the CEO and the owner with us for the hour. Yeah. So, now, if we'd broken it on the Monday and gone, you know, yeah. sod you Leeds, yeah. We'd have had the news and people going, oh, Leeds United broke that, but then everyone else would have been claiming breaking news, da 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 da. And then Leeds are annoyed with us. Yeah. And what do we fill that show with? Yeah. We just talk, we just got <laughs> a fan going, oh, it's great, we're on Leeds United, we're on the yeah, ground again. Yeah. So it's sometimes what's best for the content, and, and content's always king yeah. for me, I believe. And an hour with the CEO and owner is much better yeah. than announcing your broken news on a bulletin for so 30 that, seconds. So that's looking beyond the immediate opportunity and looking at the bigger opportunity. Yeah. And you talk about like the flow of news in the old day, well, not just a few years ago. You'd go to a press conference. There was you. There was the Yorkshire Evening Post reporter. And that was it. And you yeah. would ask your questions, and you'd go outside afterwards and say, "You know, what, what are you running tomorrow morning? Well, I'm running that." That was my question. So, can you hold it? Don't put it in your, you know, don't put it in your bulletin this afternoon. Can you put it in your morning bulletin when the newspaper goes out? Yeah. And you go, "Yeah, yeah, that's no problem." Now you're doing the interviews, and. Everyone behind you is tweeting. The club's tweeting. They might be broadcasting it live. The Yorkshire Union Post are putting it out there. Yeah. And you're thinking, I'm, these are my questions and answers. And I'm not even putting it out yet. <laughs> so you put it out in the car park afterwards <laughs> when, <laughs> when Huddersfield Town and, and the Huddersfield Examiner have already put it out. And people don't need to listen to your bulletins now. You could control the news. If I knew someone's broken their leg, I could actually hold that for two days. And no one really know about it till we put it out there. Now everyone knows instantly. Mm. So it's why are people coming to Sporting Life or a radio station if everyone knows the news? The website has it all. And I think that's why content and a lot of um, opinionated radio in particular and articles have come out now because that's something we can still So if you look back to when, when I say the internet, but, you know, social media started, Mm. is there something you wish you'd done differently? Do you think you you understood the enormity of it and that and that? That change, that wave of change that was coming. Is there anything you could no, have done I think I, th- I think we embraced it really well. We were one of the first in the BBC, which wasn't hard to be fair because it was a bit backwards, mm. to really embrace the social media. And that was one of the big things I, I, I said when I came in. Sports said we were this was going to be first. It wasn't a do it if you've got time or later on. Social was first because that is instant. We only got a show at six o'clock. Um, social is always first. We just developed from that kind of area. Really, the one time it probably. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of actual social, social media. I use it because I have to use it. Yeah. I think in a lot of time it's just another way for the world to be mean to each other. And that's mm. why that's the one time when when I came a cropper against it was when I when when we um, changed Huddersfield Town's frequency or they won, when we had three football teams, had three frequencies, Huddersfield were on AM and DAB, but when we got Bradford commentary back, Bradford went on, AM, Huddersfield right. went on the much better DAB frequency, but one you don't get in your cars a lot. Right. And we got quite a lot of complaints for that, Yeah. Um, even though we thought we were doing the best thing. And I remember writing to everyone back that we got complaints from. It's probably about 50, which is big for the BBC, mm. but there's a 15,000 fan base at least. And being naive, just thinking, oh, that would just be a personal conversation between us, although it was all official. And then realise it's gone on message boards, people were photoshopped, you know, putting it on Twitter and all this stuff, and then people just having me as enemy number one. Really I was just a guy that got back to them, and that's the one time I probably realised, if I'd realised just how 
it works, I'd have probably handled that situation slightly different. differently. But in terms of tactically, in terms of how we as a station did it, I think we, we, we did really well nailing it. How, how, how did you feel going from being quite a popular guy to being very unpopular, or your perception of being unpopular? I don't unpopular? think I've ever been unpopular. I don't think I've ever been popular. Um, yeah, it was hard to take with them, particularly when you think I haven't actually done anything wrong here. Mm. And I suppose part of being a manager is taking the stick for sometimes mm. because it was... We were all in agreement DAB was best for Huddersfield Town. Without doubt, it still is. And, yeah. and most people are very happy with that. But it was other people that really pushed it. I was just the manager that replied to people. Um, and it did seem strange. It's probably like how footballers get abuse yeah. for doing their job, really. But yeah. I don't get paid 10 grand a week to uh, oh, take be. that abuse, really. So it was really strange. And particularly because um, I felt I'd done a lot for Huddersfield Town. Huddersfield Town was always the bottom of the pecking order. Yeah. Um, Bradford, much bigger club. Leeds, yeah. much bigger club. And um, Huddersfield were in League One when I started, and I just made sure we we we, we equally covered every team. Yeah, equally, sure. co- everyone got the same treatment. Yeah. Leeds would always get FM because they're the biggest re- biggest frequency, best frequency. They're the biggest team without a doubt. Yeah. Um, but so it's a bit of a shame that that it felt. And I got on brilliantly with Huddersfield. I love yeah. covering Huddersfield and always still get on well with the club. But then fans yeah. make you feel like everyone hates you, and you see. And this is talking <laughs> about fake news. Yeah. I had someone going, oh, it's all Leeds United bias. Gareth Jones, he's a big Leeds United scumbag, uh, born and bred in Leeds. And someone messed me back and went, I think he's from Leicester, mate. <laughs> no, no, he, born, he went, this whole backstory about uh, I was in Otley, and it says on my Twitter profile, Leicester. <laughs> so it was amazing. So then everyone thinks yeah. I'm his Leicester fan. And, I, and a few years later, when it all calmed down, I was at a pre, pre, um, pre-season chat. Um, at Huddersfield Town, I'd presented. I was packing up at the end, and there was these four blokes looking at me a bit mean. And one of them half started to chat to me, but clearly to be a bit aggressive. And the others literally had their back to me, would not acknowledge me. Really? And we we're talking about Huddersfield, and um, this guy was trying to trip me up a bit, and the other th- ones were literally blanking me. And um, we're talking about Huddersfield, duh, 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 and they were like, um, and I knew why. Yeah, and then we said, oh, "What about your team?" I said, "Oh, I, I think we'll finish mid tail in the Premier League this season." They're like, "What? You're a Leeds fan, or you think you're in the Premier League?" I said, Mate, I'm a Leicester fan, and literally his tone changed. Yeah, these three Everybody- blokes <laughs> turned round and started chatting with me. I've never known anything like it because they just thought I was a Leeds yeah. fan, and everything I did was against Huddersfield, and yeah, my view yeah. didn't count. And then when they knew I wasn't, it changed. It's, it's, it's absolutely amazing, and that goes for everyone as well. Yeah. Um, but that that was probably a bit of a yeah a, a, a bit of a tough time yeah, actually, and opened your eyes to to how big it can get. Have you ever? How do you? Well, tell me this: How do you deal with difficult players, difficult managers, difficult PR people? How do you? You yeah, know, because am I dreaming? Did Popey have a? Did, was somebody who didn't take kindly to Popey asking some questions um, a couple Gary of years Monk ago? Had a bit of a, did he? Yeah, that's right. So how a, do you? Um, how do you? Bigger problems now. You know, how do you um, go about that? How do you address? It's that difficult. I, it sounds really obvious. A lot of it is just being very professional, actually being a decent human being and building up a relationship. I think a lot of people start if they're a fan of that club. You lose one game, they're going two footed. When you're quitting, you're rubbish. They mm. read too much on social and. You've got to go. No, hang on. You've got to be fair to them. You know, you've got to read the game with a little bit of, yeah, non-bias. You know, if you lose a game, but the referee gave a dodgy penalty in the last minute, you can't really go in on the manager for its fault. No. If you lost ten games in a row, that's when you do it. So you've got to understand how to play the game properly. Um, a lot of it is just being professional and doing your job really well. The biggest thing I hate is is sports journalists are particularly bad at this. They don't ask questions or they're closed questions. Mm. Um, they just go, "That was a good game." And, they, and you watch all post-match interviews, match of the day, the Cricket World Cup that's just been on, they always asked closed questions or statements. Mm. That was a great goal, wasn't it? And then expecting Wayne Rooney to give a great flowing answer, then you realise why Rooney goes, yeah, it was a great goal, it's a great game to win. Ask an actual yeah. open question. And I think that's what gets people's backs up sometimes. Mm. I remember having a conversation with Brian McDermott, the old Leeds Rhinos mm. coach at Toronto. Yeah. Um, odd guy, odd guy. Oh, oh, we, oh yeah. Hard to interview very brilliant and hard to interview. One of the best speakers I've ever interviewed when you're on it because he's, he's so intelligent about yeah. the game um, and about life. Um, but he didn't have a lot of social skills, I don't think. So mm. most media don't have anything to do with him now because he just was rude with them and off with them and didn't answer their questions. But a lot of the t- I mean, a lot of the time it was him because mm. he is strange. But a lot of time time, I'm sitting in interviews and they're going... Um, Chris Allen had a great game today. He goes, yeah, he did. Yeah, you're right. And they're going, oh, he's off. 
Well, no, he's answered your question. Yeah. Or your statement. If you said, what did you think to Chris Allen's performance today? He would give you a lovely flowing answer. Yeah. And I remember him chatting off record about that once and saying, you know, I get stick if I don't do my job right, so why should I make it easy for you guys? Oh, well, I was going to ask that. I was um, going to say, did you get the impression he was... He, to, not, not just picking on Brian, but... You know, do, do, does no, some of them see it, it as yeah. a way to settle a few scores yeah, because yeah, journalists have given them a hard yeah, time? Yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. But yeah. you've got to do your job properly and it keeps you on your toes. But um, but equally, it's part of the game. Like, if you don't want to interview the media, we all have parts of our jobs that don't like. Don't be a football coach. No one's making you be mm. one. Um, but you've just got to be professional handling. Sometimes people just want to fight. But again, it's judging it. You know when to ask the tough questions and when not. And people respect you for it. So when... The other Brian McDermott yeah. that managed Leeds United and Reading, when they lost at Rochdale in the FA Cup on a really bad run, Popey went in really hard with him. And, and it was a, quite a, a tetchy, it came across as a tetchy interview, but Brian was brilliant. And they shook hands after because he understood it was Popey's job. Yeah. And because Popey had been quite professional and supportive throughout the bad run, when he really had to go in because he just had to, Brian fully understood it. If Popey had been an idiot throughout the season, Brian probably wouldn't have tolerated Would that. Would Popey have said to him before the interview, look, mate, I've got to that's ask this exactly question. How I, yeah, yeah. That's how I'd do it. I'm going to have you, to ask you yeah, this. And you don't just go in and just go, like Chris, yeah. you, you were rubbish today, <laughs> ban. Normal, normal you know, you post-match chat, you know, conversation. Normal sympathy. Oh, mate, yeah. you're, you're okay. How are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Oh, mate, you were lucky. The ref was shocking or whatever. You, yeah. Empathy. And you go, look, I'm going to warn you. I'm going to ask some tough questions here. Answer them how you want, but... I'm going to ask I've got them. to ask. And they always appreciate that. And you'd always do that pre or post match, just brief them slightly. I'm, have... I'm going to ask you about Zach Hardacre, who's just been done for homophobic comments or whatever. Right. You answer it how you want, but I'm asking them. Yeah. And I might ask a few follow ups. If you say no comment, that's fine, but I will ask some questions. And normally you play the game, you ask maybe three questions on it, and then you kind of move on depending on. If you keep on going on and ask 25 questions on the same yeah. thing, then you're not being fair. Because you are catching a lot of these people very shortly after a game's finished. You know, you catch any, any one of us in this room now after a game of sport and ask them fair, measured opinion. You know, somebody asked Post me how we played the, the other day. I don't, I don't think my opinion was, yeah. uh, you know, broadcast. No, and you're, you're obviously a nasty piece of work, aren't you? <laughs> I've seen you after a game. You're a bad loser. <laughs> Well, I like that. Consistently bad loser. Competitive. Yeah, that's competitive. right. No, but you know, you're um, catching them at that point, are you? Do you think that's right to interview managers straight after a game? Probably not. And the players on the pitch literally straight after is so hard to do. Um, it's really hard to do. But that's the world we live in. It is about getting instant access and Sky and whatever pay a lot of money for it. That's what people want. And most people switch off once the final whistle's gone. So if you don't yeah. get people straight after, particularly yeah. TV, you're off. Radio yeah. the same. Gone. Um, so you need it more or less instantly, particularly the world we live in. Um, but it's the hardest. They're annoyed. They haven't fully digested stuff. They're feeling certain emotions from being wound up on the touchline. You've been focusing on the game, particularly if you're the commentator. You've commentated for ages. And then you, you sometimes think, hang on, what actually happened in the game? And you're missing key points. And occasionally we'll ask you to do your, four, you know, your five, six-minute interview. And then, and then everyone else is in order. Normally the radio guy goes first because you need your voice on it and you're the one paying the money. Um, to have broadcast deals in place. Right. Newspaper guys are then behind you recording in and then they'll ask questions afterwards and then they'll ask a question and you'll go, oh crap, I totally forgot about that. You know, because yeah. you've been so yeah. in the moment of comment. So it's really hard. For, so then sometimes you do ask a Slack question or you do say something silly which then might get someone's back up. Mm. Um, and you mentioned about the Gary Monk thing. Um, I can't remember what Popey asked. It was fair, but he didn't. He did. He said. He said a few words which I think were misconstrued by Gary Monk, and Pope got all the sympathy for that. And they were fine about mm. it afterwards. It was. It was fine. But I remember saying to Pope on the Monday, I said, "Gary Monk was out of order." But listen to how you asked the first question. Yeah. Because that I can see why Gary got his back up at it because you just said a, a, a mix of words which was clearly Pope was going, "Oh, he's here." Um, yeah. Uh, he just, the first words were like pad out words to then think of the question. Yeah. Those pad out words wound Gary up. Yeah. And then that started the, the spark. And, and do you do that? Do you, you know, after a hectic weekend, I mean, we've had some incredible weekends in with West Yorkshire sport over mm. the years, haven't we? But do you sort of sit down on a Monday or the first day back and actually listen back to your interviews? <sighs> Not... Or anyway, only if somebody says... Yeah, um, you should... In our place, I mean, everyone's really busy. It was just... It was just... You were so busy doing everything. Like, you mm. didn't have big sit-down meetings no. of listening back as a whole team. But I always encourage people to listen back to stuff. And I always listen back to stuff. It sometimes sounds arrogant, but it's listening to improve. Because when you're broadcasting, it's like when you're writing. You you, you write... You, you read what you think. Mm. You haven't actually written what you wanted to write sometimes. And you proof something back, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And you realise, hang on, I've written that wrong. Same on broadcasting. You think 
you're saying everything correctly and then you listen back and go, hang on, I used the wrong word there or said the wrong player's name or yeah. didn't finish that sentence. And I've listened to some things back on a bit of an ego trip going, I nailed that show. <laughs> I want to listen back to hear yeah. how good I was and listen back, go, bloody hell, spoke too quick. <laughs> yeah. Missed out of things, got that guy's name wrong. But at the time, I didn't realise. And then other times I listened back to stuff going, that was awful, I need to sharpen up and listen back. Actually, it wasn't as bad as I thought. So I always encourage people to do that, certainly with summarisers when they first started. Ah, well, that was, I was going to yeah. ask that. I was going to say, if I started tomorrow as, a, yeah. as, as your latest uh, you know, junior, would you sit me down on the following Monday and say, yeah. listen to Always that, listen back. Always listen back. You'll always hate your own voice like you do if you listen on a on an no. answer phone or anything like that. No, speak for yourself. You don't want to be too critical on that. Yeah, fuck for yourself, obviously. <laughs> but, um, you know, you've got a, a voice like, uh, like chocolate. Um, <laughs> but it's... Um, but you've got to listen back and be critical because that's the only way to self-improve. It's not an arrogant thing. It's how you improve and pick up on mistakes and realise you're talking too quickly or missing yeah. things. Or It's the best way to do it. So looking back um, over the last 10 years, let's say, what are, the, what are sort of the highlights of, of your career? I know you've picked up a few awards without giving you the answer. Uh, oh, that's very nice of you to yeah, say. Thank four. You. Four. Thank you. Yeah, four. Thank you. Thank yes. you, Rach. Yeah. Um, uh, Tell me about a few highlights then. What, 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 the, when the when you look back, I think, wow. The overall highlight was is just working in, in the industry I'm working. I'm so lucky. It's a fantastic job. I loved Radio Leeds. It was a family, and I'm 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 loving doing what I'm doing now with a great team. And as you know, in any industry, it's who you work with makes mm. it. Um, highlights. Um, oh my word! The highlights. Uh, very briefly, some of the, the the stories we've covered in this area is just unbelievable. So we've seen. Uh, Bradford City of League Two, the side the season before stayed up from going into the National League by two points or something. Yeah, Go all the way to the League Cup final, beating Premier League Wigan, Arsenal, Aston Villa over two legs. Yeah. I mean, it's, impo- it's impossible. Yeah. And we witnessed it live. Was at, I was at every one of those games. It was amazing. Um, Huddersfield's promotion to the Premier League was absolutely incredible. Um, I've seen a game abandoned because Blackpool... Um, fans oh, the first true. ever EFL game abandoned I was at that yeah. um, seen a Yorkshire ambulance land on the pitch at the John Smith Stadium after a, a Leeds Huddersfield derby which was won in the last minute by Leeds but saw Town's yeah. captain injured and flown off to hospital he was okay thank goodness um, Leeds United Matt Cellino takes over Friday night yep. sacks Brian McDermott on the Friday night Saturday's the Yorkshire derby at Elland Road Huddersfield batter Leeds it's only one at half time should have been five Right. Should be fine. And at half time, I was texting news editors and saying, This is going to kick off. The fan, there's going to be riots here. We need to get news people down. We've got to see how it goes because Leeds are going to finish losing 5 6 0 mm. here. Leeds win the game 5 1, and then they reappoint Brian McDermott straight after the game. It was just, I mean, you, <laughs> you think you've you couldn't seen, write it. You've seen everything. You've seen yeah. 15 point deductions, you've seen everything. I suppose the biggest highlight was I mentioned Huddersfield Town getting promoted. When I took over as editor, they were in League One. And um, I suppose it summed up their whole journey, but my, uh, our whole journey as a, as a sports team of where we wanted to be. And we, they got to the playoff final, won the playoff final, and um, we just nailed that week of coverage. The whole season had been brilliant, but that weekend, we, I'm going to get emotional about it, actually. <laughs> um, it was just a case of people turn up to finals, playoff finals, FA Cup finals. They just think just turning up is what you do. You do your yeah. commentary, you get excited about goals, you do interview players on the pitch you do the trophy lift that's special and loads of people enter enter awards yeah. for their coverage it's not special it's just a special game but your coverage is still the same really what are you doing special yourself doing out of your comfort zone so we really we did a, loads of week long special programs about it um, we got Reese Dinsdale remember the old Coronation mm. Street actor um, big Huddersfield Town fan did this big monologue poem that we created for Huddersfield mm. Town to start the show and um, socially, we nailed it. We had a show before the game outside. Um, and socially, we were really across it the whole week. We didn't just do radio output. We did a whole series of kind of social output and had a full, full which sounds bizarre now, but a few years ago, people weren't mm. doing this. And um, I just remember after I got promoted, um, just having a few minutes down pitch side on my own, having said well done to all the team, just thinking and getting a bit tearful, going, yeah. we've nailed this. And the whole four or five year journey of 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 recruiting the team we had, like bringing Catherine on board, who was outstanding that day. Pitch. Oh, I am mm. going to cry about this. Yeah, um, was just 
you know, all the backward steps we'd had and all the people saying you're not going in the right direction and yeah, sure. and, and are you training on the right things and trying to get the right kit and fighting for things and learning from mistakes. It just, it just in that day, yeah. just everything, we just absolutely nailed. It was just the best broadcast I've ever been involved in. And, and we did win two awards on the back oh, of that, really? both an O2 oh. and a, a oh, BBC cool. one. So it was just that, that was the highlight because you just know everything you've worked for. And I'm sure you know for everything yeah. you've built up with Blacks is, You've seen the progression. You've seen the talents develop from people that a couple of years couldn't do what they do to now what they're doing, and, and it just worked as a slick machine. Took so a that lot was of pride, a big highlight. It? Took a lot of pride because mm. you've actually seen what your your kind of dream come true with it, really. Plus a team in the Premier League, which yeah, is amazing. which is which yeah. is great for the region. Mm. Any low points in that? Where, where did where did things go wrong? What's the have you had yeah. interviews that have just crashed and burned? Um, no, I've been fairly lucky on the whole. The, the low, low point was that Huddersfield Town thing, and that got really messy, which was a real shame. But only with a few of the fans, the club mm. was all brilliant and stuff like that. Um, lowest point was probably actually with Brian McDermott, where and then, when it went heartache, actually the fullback was done for homophobic mm. comments, and I went and interviewed him and said, "Look, I'll ask about him. He's expecting it." But um, I asked him um, something like. Um, uh, Halfway through the interview, you know, since that guy's come over the news, what what are your plans? So deliberately asked an open question: mm. What are your plans to do with Zach Hardacre? Um, and he just said, "Yeah, I'll play him." Which, to be fair, he's answered the question. Mm. But so I just said, "Oh, why? You know, elaborate on it. Why? That's a great question. That's why you're playing him. You know, so he can go down the answer of." And in fact, I think he did quite a good answer. You know, well, innocent until proven guilty, our player mm. or whatever. Just you know explain it all um, I didn't think anything of it afterwards and um, we asked a few more questions went on to team news various other things you know deliberately put it in the what you do is when you know you ask the hard questions you start you get a good few minutes of tape yeah. so if they do decide to end the interview at least you've got four minutes <laughs> at least you've got a few if minutes if you ask the first yeah. is the first question and they bugger off you've I'll, had it haven't you I'll ask but, you a tricky one in a minute yeah, yeah go there on. we go so, so but then went back on to other things so you finished the interview again on a nice chat so yeah. I've been nice I've been a bit of a Bit of a yeah, meanie. Richard. Now I've been nice again. We're all mates. Yeah. And I switched the tape off. And, and then he just went, if you ever ask anything like that again, you'll ban you and all this kind of stuff. And I'm wow. like, no, you don't know where it came okay. from. Um, but but that's quite, I, so that's very rare. And he's I mean, very I, rare and he's an intimidating guy. Big lamp, but yeah. but um, um, I just cannot stand bullies. Yeah. Uh, so I wasn't taking any of that. So yeah. I did kind of, I didn't give it back to him because he could knock me out dead easily. But I said, hang on, I'm doing my job. Ask her, you didn't ask that que- answer that question properly. So I was following it up and then sat there in silence and he did the other interviews and stuff like that. So that got a bit, a bit nasty. Now, interestingly, and, and, I, would have, I would have half expected you to tell me that that is almost a weekly occurrence. No, no, it's not too bad, really. Not too bad. What I didn't like about that is months and months later, it was water under the bridge. Like eventually it was clear and I'd seen him again at one point. When they won the, the league that year, they came in to the office and um, it's like a counselling session. This, this is great. Um, and they'd won the, won the cup, and they came on the show. And I went out and oh, congratulations, shook Kevin Simfield's hand, and Brian. And Brian kind of remembered me, and I said, "You right, Brian?" And he went, and I had seen him since, and it'd been mm. okay. And he looked at me and went, "Yeah, I'm all right. Are you all right?" Yeah. And I left my hand out, and he just didn't shake it. Yeah, really. And we went into the studio, and it was really, and he just wouldn't look at me or talk or do anything. Right. And I just thought that mm. that is an odd guy. You don't do that. That's you know, tough. water under the bridge. You still be civil. Yeah. Um, and that was really strange yeah. um, with it. But sorry, you asked another question. Well, well I was going to say the question. Then. Well, uh, at least you didn't. Oh, other brain. interview people. Um, yeah. I tell you, who was one of the? What do you? What would you say, Chris? If I said the words Dennis Wise, I would say, I would think he would be quite tricky and yeah. possibly aggressive. Yeah, yeah. Horrible guy. Hated him as a player. You could tell it. That's my image of him. Mm. What a lovely bloke. Really? Oh, couldn't be one of the best people I've ever interviewed. Really? And I can see why he was a captain. Because you remember, he took over Leeds when they got relegated. Mm. Ten-point deduction then because Ken Bates had done what done Ken what Bates had did. done. Fifteen points the season after. You can see why they went unbeaten and reached the playoffs that year. Because you would follow that guy. in When they were being relegated from the championship, every single... You know, the logic said you are doomed because you are rubbish as a team. Yeah. And all the off-the-field problems. But you would go and interview him, and you would just oh, and he would he would remember your name, and he'd do the old, and we all like how he goes, but you know he'd go oh hey you yeah we're struggling at the back, but you're a tall lad, eh? We'll put you in defence, yeah, you know? yeah. And he was brilliant, and you could see, yeah. and you expected him to be horrible, 
and he was really, really good guy. And, and have you, you become friends with any of these people? I mean, are you? Does anybody sort of? I'm not saying you've got no, any no friends, but you know, does anybody sort of, so, you, you know, an ex-manager ring you up in this day and age and say, I'm coming up to Leeds, or is it, no, have really. you kept that distance? I've always kept that distance. I mean, because I suppose, again, have been more of the presenter and the, the editor, I've not been day and day out in the trench like Popey where you need those contacts and you're mm. there interviewing them all the time. So I've never been in that position to really create those really close contacts, which I think sometimes does help you. But I'm not one of these that would be like, oh, yeah, I want to Instagram myself with my best mate, this certain player. Because at some point, if you're doing your job properly, you're going to have to be tough on that club, that person. And it becomes very hard to do. So you, I, I'm, I've always wanted to keep a bit of a professional distance. The people I'm friends with are the ones that probably are summarisers. Or the odd person you got on really well with, say, Jack Brooks, the Yorkshire cricketer, who's now yeah. at, um, is down south somewhere, yeah, isn't he? Somerset. Somerset yeah, yeah. So yeah. you said in the odd message with him just because you get on with him, but I had the odd drink, but it's not like yeah. you're going out no. all night. So I've never really had that. Maybe I'm just a bit of a loser. But summarisers, <laughs> you know, summarisers, Matt Glennon, Kieran O'Regan, who's a Huddersfield Town summariser for years, but retired two, three years ago, yeah. see him regularly. So it's more those people where you can forge proper friendships with because yeah. you're properly working with them. You get on with people and say hi. Um, and if people come and do commentaries with you, that's normally when you get to know them better yeah, sure, because they get I to bet. see your personality. Well, you'll see what they're really like, won't you? Because yeah, you'll see, and they, see and they their come, nerves jangling yeah, before Yeah, and they game. see what you really do. It's one of the best things because they see what you're doing and go, oh, actually, this is quite a hard job. We just mm. thought you came and asked some stupid questions and, and, and yeah. that's it. And when they see what you really go through and realise, oh, actually, we have to travel down to Swindon and... We're yeah. there five hours before. They do get a bit of respect for it. So that's more the people that um, you kind of have those long-lasting friendships with. Um, being friends with Noel Whelan is something that um, well, makes you age quickly. I was going to say, that's yeah. surely a challenge. It is a challenge. Yeah. It's Sorry. a great challenge. Sorry, Noel. That, yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, let's... let's. I could sit here all day with you, to be Sorry, honest. Sorry, I've gone so on long, haven't I? Uh, have I broken the record? How, no, long, not, how long are we at? No, well, not at all. Brian was on oh, for two... Brian Dean was on for two episodes. I couldn't get him off. Oh well, God Brian, bless him. Yeah, um, what a bloke Brian is. T- tell me, tell me this then. If I was a, a, a younger person listening to this, uh, thinking uh, I'm, at, I'm at Lead Trinity, I'm doing media work. What, what are you going to say to that person about a career in this industry? Um, definitely do. It's a fantastic industry, but much more challenging to get into, and it'll obviously changing an awful lot. But what industry isn't? Um, attitude and dedication biggest things forget natural talent forget skill it's dedication say yes to everything do every shift even if it's what you want to do or not i never wanted to work in news we didn't want to work in programs but i did it because one it paid the bills at the time when i was freelance but it gave me unbelievable experience and learning opportunities working at different stations um that's the big thing and both from from I, I work with people and were competitive with people that were much better than me, been in the industry longer, much more naturally confident than me, better broadcaster than me, still are. But they didn't have the dedication I did to get better and to say yes to every single shift. So very quickly, I got up. I would be the first person on the call sheet because I would just drop everything to come in because I was mm. a bit sad. And now as a manager, that's what you look for as well. Mm. You know, with the greatest respect, I phone you up, Chris, and... And you can do the shift, fantastic. Chris is my guy. If you can't do the shift, it might be very legitimate. I'm not an animal, you know. You're out for, out for, you know, your, your son's birthday or whatever. Yeah. Of course, I respect that. It's no hard feelings. But then I get in Dave, and Dave does a better job, or just does the job. Well, he's the first name on the team sheet next time, just because yeah. not out of bitterness. It's how it works. You can lose your opportunity. Yeah. Um, it's like the striker that takes his chance and yeah. scores a goal, and the, and the number one striker never gets back in. Yeah. Um, so it's attitude, you know. If you if you worked eight days in a row and you're just about to go out on your mate's birthday and someone phones you, go in, uh, do that. If you're just about to leave after doing a 12-hour shift and breaking news happens, stay. And you'll stay yeah. because you love it, but you build that reputation up as being reliable and trustworthy. And that goes much further than being skillful but not turning up. You need to be able to trust people in the industry, as you do in any industry. I'm sure the same in yours. You need to know they're going to turn up at that ground on time yeah. or they're going to go and do that interview and not upset the manager in, in, in a bad yeah. way or tweet something that's totally inappropriate. You need to trust people. So I'm, so I'm hearing good work ethic, yeah. a uh, bit of uh, you know, self, self-drive mm. to get these things. An ability to uh, maintain confidentiality when needed to. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah, don't stitch people. Uh, yeah, and and think bigger picture, not the short term gain. Yeah, and practical experience. It's one of the reasons I tro- chose Leeds Trinity at the time because it was a very practical course. So I didn't mm. just come out of out of university with a bit of paper that said I know the theory of 
working as a journalist. I had a portfolio. I'd worked at the Yorkshire Evening Post on a six-month placement. I'd worked in a TV advertising company. I had a portfolio of work that I could go out with and knew how to edit things rather than going into Radio Leeds one day one and going, I don't know what any of this is. So you'd hit the ground running. Yeah. So I'd always say get experience, whether it's through a university degree or just through shadowing for free yeah. and doing stuff like that. And that's it, the other thing. Go and get as much experience, even for free. Don't let people eventually take the mick out of you for that. No. But you need to learn from people. And, and being in the door, that's why I went freelance in the end, because you'd, you'd be sitting there on a Friday and you'd be going, I've got, I've got no more work for the next two weeks. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to eat. And on the Friday, you know, your boss would come up to you and go, oh, next week... Um, can you work on next week because this person's pulled out ill because it's just easy because you're there. Yeah. Whereas you if were you're out of sight, out of mind, totally. they might phone someone else or someone else in the office and they'll just go to you to do it. So it's just being there a lot of the time and then eventually you're there doing stuff for free. Then someone will eventually go, oh God, Joe's just called in sick. Uh, do you, work experience person, do you fancy now doing this? And you go, yeah, even if you don't think you can do it, just go do it. Yeah. Um, because you get a lot more credit for doing it even if you don't do it brilliantly, then you don't get for doing it. I know one lad whose career stalled because he didn't have the confidence to do pitch side reporting and a few other things. And I know my boss at the time then didn't ask him again for ages because he thought, well, I gave you the opportunity. He said no. Yeah. yeah. And I did a few things I did that I didn't do very well, but I really learned from, but I know I got more credibility because I, I, I filled the hole, as it were, even if I didn't fill it very well. But it goes with the territory, doesn't it? You know, it's like being a slitter. You've got to be able to stand up and talk to people, really. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, that's what we say. Yeah, it's personality. To, and that's bit, why we practice public speaking, yeah. why we do the radio, yeah. why we do the look north. And you'll know, I'm sure, that some of it's an act. It's a bigger personality than you, isn't it? When you are talking to clients or in a courtroom or in meetings mm. or whatever, you are that bigger person. It's the same. You can have the worst day and be really miserable, but when the light goes on, when you have your yeah. meeting, you You're on. you put on that performance that everything's fantastic. And game face. Yeah, it is It is the game face. Exactly. Yeah. People change, don't they? You know, you can have the quiet, it's like they say, don't they? They're the loveliest person on the pitch, off the pitch, cross that white line. And Dennis Vinnie Wise. Jones, Dennis Wise. Dennis Wise. Yeah. Dennis yeah. Wise syndrome. Yeah. Right, we're going to finish with three questions uh, and we'll play this back next May. Uh, where are Huddersfield Town going to finish this year? What's your instinctive gut feel? I'd love to say promotion, but I think mid-table at best. I This... To get even more hated by Huddersfield Town fans, um, I'm not that impressed with their current head coach, Sievert. I, I hope I improved wrong, yeah. but he's yet to impress me. So mid-table, I think, would be good for them. But okay. I think any team being relegated should be pushing for promotion. So I yeah. hope they do go back up, but I think it'll be hard. Bradford City? <sighs> they should be getting promoted. Um, uh, Gary Bowie, I'm, I, I think, has got something, but it hasn't gone... Is the club stable enough after what's gone on the last year to be able to do what they mm. need to do? They should certainly be in the playoffs minimum. Yeah. So I hope they do go. They do go. But it's a tough league that one. But they should. They should be minimum playoffs. Leeds United. They're the same. Yeah, you know, I'm really sitting on the fence here. It's it's a bit like everyone felt last year. It's going to be brilliant or implode yeah. this year. Um, I'm so glad they got rid of Pontus Janssen. I've never mm. liked him. I think he's a bad egg, and that's why they've got rid of him. So I think yeah. they'll be better without him. They'll probably get a few more players in in the next couple of weeks. They were excellent last year. They shouldn't have been, but they were excellent mm. in what was a very average league. But they were brilliant. But they, Is the manager the it. difference there, do you think? Yeah. That's yeah. a mid-tail. That team that finished 13th. Yeah. The average. They have those same players got better. He's motivated them unbelievably. And he, he's, he's clearly a genius, particularly at that level. He's mm. head of shoulders above everyone else. Um, so it should kick on. And I think the league's going to be flat again. Cardiff should be quite good. Fulham, who knows, with Scott Parker. Yeah. Huddersfield, as I say, I'm not convinced they'll be great again. Um, Stoke should be better. Sheffield Wednesday would have been good, but who are they going to have as their manager now? So I think Leeds will benefit again from being a flat league. So this has got to be their year. If they don't do it this year, I don't know when they're going to do it. So right. it, it wouldn't surprise crossed. me if it didn't happen again, but this should be the season they go right. up. So yeah. we'll play this back in May when all three have been and promoted. And I've set we'll, uh, my, yeah, yeah. It should be, yeah. So Leeds have the best chance of going up. This should be the year for them, and yeah, I hope it yeah. is for the fans. And the club is fine and getting its act together now off the field. Yeah, they've been horrible to deal with for years, but they actually have. They're not perfect, but they actually have decent. And people forget that with clubs, it's like a business. It's not just about your team and your manager. Yeah, no. It's behind the scenes. Yeah, have you got on? the right people in place? And that club has not for so many years. Yeah. That's one of the reasons Huddersfield did so well. That wasn't just they got 
a lucky manager in David Wagner and a few decent players. They got all their structures off the field right. Yeah. Scouting, recruitment, and, and Leeds haven't had that. It's not just been the manager mm. and who they signed. Leeds has been a mess of a club for years, and now the ownership, the CEO there is getting it right. Still get there. Good. Um, what are your predictions? Anybody... Are you not doing yours? Uh, yes, Geisley will get promoted. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Great. There you go. You heard it here Thank first. Thank you. You heard it here yeah, first. Yeah. Um, how do if anybody has any questions for you, Gareth? How do they contact you? Do they can they email you at Sporting Life? What's the easiest? Uh, yeah, Twitter. Um, Gareth Jones twenty five, very original, all one word. Yeah, Gareth Jones twenty five. Okay. Uh, Gareth Jones at SportingLife dot com okay. is the other thing. If you want to send abuse to me or anything else, but um, I'd love to hear from you. Okay. If you missed that and you do have a question for Gareth, uh, you can send it to me at podcast at lawblacks.com and I'll send those on to you. And uh, apart from that, I think I'll just say, listen, Gareth, thanks for coming in. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I really might, appreciate it. We might even it. have enough for part two there. I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah. Sorry uh, if I've gone on too long, but no, I appreciate that. All right. Thanks again. Appreciate it. Thanks.